Hello everybody, welcome back to the Anigan Podcast. My name is Amir, I am a football writer and analyst and I'm joined today as always by H, a football content creator that focuses on the tactical parts of the beautiful game. It's been a busy week in football. We've got the Premier League fixtures from last week, we've got the Champions League fixtures from midweek and we've also got some interesting fixtures coming up again uh, in the, the next few days. So we're here to talk about all of those things. Um, Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Bayern, a bit of Chelsea, a bit of Manchester United. H went to the game yesterday, and uh, we'll definitely touch upon. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Never going we'll... again. <laughs> it's a bad luck, bad luck omen. Um, but but we'll start with. I, I think we should start with Liverpool and, and Arsenal, given that. I mean, it's probably near a week ago now. Um, I I I'll be very real. That second half. Loved it. One of my favourite halves in football this season. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's basically in the face of the title race. Um, and how funny would it be if like Liverpool were the ones who sort of give it back to City? Um, but yeah, what did you make of that game in general, brother? Um, First of all, I thought it was probably the best, uh, one of the most entertaining game we've seen in the Premier League this season. I think, especially in the second bad. half. Yeah, I... I there was just there was just something about it. I know a lot of people put like an emphasis on the Anfield crowd and it definitely did play a part, you know. Like when when that place gets rocking, they can practically win teams matches. Um and I don't know, I I thought second half, I thought Mikel Arteta actually looked actually backtracked a little bit um with his game plan in the second mm. half and you know, kind of wanted to shut up the shop a bit too early for me. Um I think they could have been a bit braver, but it, it is Anfield, and I, I completely understand why they did it. And to be honest, with with the players they had out on the pitch, I think they could have easily just you know box defended for a for a half and definitely got across the across the line. But they still had chances. I think this is the thing that a lot of people kind of forget about that Arsenal, like that chance where Martinelli overhits that pass. Like, Crazy, you know. You know the commentary just, for that, the, by the way. I thought it was amazing when when I mean, first of all, like Gary Neville. Jamie Carragher, they're both oh, like screaming. Yeah. They're screaming like kids. Yeah. Um, but then Proper Gary Neville's like, Michael Thomas. And then and then uh, he overhits the pass. But like, I went back and watched that like Michael Thomas clip from when when um, Arsenal won the league at Anfield. Like basically last moments of the of the season of the of the game. Um, and like the parallels there that they would have drawn if like Arsenal scored in that moment and won by like two points. Like, yeah. I thought that commentary was really like it's so sweet, like li- like literally just two words, and yeah, it captures so much context. Yeah. But like, I'm glad, I'm glad they have like a freak in in Alison Becker in goal, sweeping, yeah, passing. He's, I think his passing sometimes under pressure breed, is spooky, man. but like in general, shot stopping and and sweeping, yeah. like I don't think the Premier yeah. League is anything like it. He's quite a comfortable keep, like he's quite comfortable in possession, but he is. He does like, oh, maybe overcook it when he does get pressed a little bit too much. Yeah. But I just think overall, like, attribute for attribute, I've just, like, he's probably the second best keeper I've ever seen, like, like multiple yeah. games of. Well, him and, him and just, Neuer. It's saying. just a little stuff. Yeah, I think I think Neuer. There's just a little stuff that he does. Like, people underestimate how, like, pressure revealing, like, a, a, a cross claim can be. And, you know, that one clip that I tweeted out where he claims to cross in the 92nd minute. And Gabriel's and got launches. a free header if he doesn't. Yeah, and then he just launches it. It's just that that side of the keep that side of the keeping game is just like 
he's so good for me and he's he does that countless times a game and yeah i just i think he's one of the best keepers i've ever seen uh and i think you know, for me he probably does go in uh the premier league uh all time 11 that's probably yeah i'd put him I can, in there i can you know i i right had now, um so. i wrote an article last season about Alisson, I, I wrote it as like my player of the season um, and, and one mm. thing that really stood out for me in Alisson's game was like the ability to make these saves or make these like really big actions in like game defining moments. So like, you know, we've always talked about yeah. momentum and things like that, but I think Alisson's game has, has been like making a huge 1v1 save and then like two minutes later, Liverpool will score. Um, yeah. And I, I think like to shift momentum like that as a keeper, it's like, so ridiculously fake. I think like we, we see it with like wingers or we see it with like guys who could score out of nothing. But Alisson's like yeah. contributing to the game in terms of like goals for and against like an attacker. I think in that same article, I wrote something about um, how like based on all of his contributions, so based on like his shot stopping, but also his claims, his passing, like ensuring pressure's not on his third of the field and things like that. When you add up all of those things, like the net positive of him being in goal was like, I think 17 goals prevented or something. And if you think about a striker yeah. who's who's scoring 17 goals a season, you're, you're thinking of like world-class forwards. So yeah. like if he's having that contribution in goal, like it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so so roses to, to Alison Becker. Um, I wanted to touch upon the point that you mentioned in terms of like Arteta going a bit like pragmatic um, and, and probably too yeah. early. Um, I think it, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, when... I assume you've seen the all or nothing Man City documentary, but like, you know how, how Pep yeah. was like so stressed out about um, like the Liverpool forwards. And it's almost like this, like, like bogey team, like this, I don't know. They, for, for lack of a better term, they do have this aura. Like it, it's hard to, they do, especially at home. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I've spoken with you, I think in the past about like, making substitutions and when to make substitutions. And I've said before, like when, you, when you're defending the lead, sometimes it's better to like bring on a midfielder. I'd always sort of think to opt to bring on another midfielder and to keep my outlet yeah. on. Jesus, I thought was amazing. So playing on that left flank. Yeah, phenomenal. He, he's such a good out ball as well. I think like he's, he, he kind of does what you'd expect a big man to do. I think this is something that people started touching on early in the season about how good his anchor play was as a, as a number nine. And, you know, how good he is at operating deep and, you know, dropping into midfield areas. And when Arsenal did get, you know, pinned in, he was always the man to, you know, take the ball and and pass it off. Just make the simple passes, you know, and yeah. just do the simple stuff. And he was holding off the likes of Van Dijk and Canate in that game, who Canate was absolutely exceptional as well. Um, oh, yeah. What it, player, it's just, I don't know. I just think... For me, the the whole pragmatic approach, I kind of understood it from from like a, a tactical sense because when I was looking at the bench, um, I'm not I'm not bringing Fabio Vieira on in that game, for example. Um, yeah, end to end, and make like, it so intense. Yeah, I, I don't know who I don't know who else they add on. So have a look. Let's, it was let's kind have a, I'm gonna have a little Google see who they did have on yeah. the bench. Um, but I, I do agree with your point. I think maybe uh, I don't know. I think maybe relaying that message though subconsciously tells Arsenal okay we're going to sit back in terms of tell, tells the players we're going to sit back tells the fans we're yeah. going to sit back um, and I think Liverpool encourages... as soon as he's seen a centre-half I think they kind of you know smelt blood and when you bring on a centre-half in a game if you're not completely comfortable I'm pretty sure the centre-half change 
was at 2-1 to Arsenal. I could be wrong. Um, I'll have a look, yeah, I'll have a look. I just feel like it just you can just smell blood when when teams are shutting up shop. And Jose Mourinho used to do it all the time at Manchester United and we conceded a lot of goals going too early and too eager. Yeah. And then we'd also we'd 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 always be like too compact and too defensive when we needed the goal to bounce back. Mm. Um but again, this is something that we'll be addressing. Some of the, the squad depth element of the Arsenal team, uh, you know, this is something that you know the Arsenal fans have touched upon. Um, they do have good facets and they do have good um, like interchanges of players where you can bring players off the bench and it's almost like for like and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, the midfield definitely needs addressing um, in the summer squad depth wise. Uh, Party's getting no uh, got, getting no younger. Jacker's getting no younger. Fabio Vieira's shown glimpses, but is Injured. Yeah, and then he's not. Yeah, I love he's, he's injury prone as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. You know, it, w- w- when we're talking about like substitutions, so so you're right. It was at two one when that substitution, uh, was made, and yeah. then Liverpool scored in the eighty seventh. That that substitution was made in the eightieth. So I suppose it's like it's still towards the end of the game, but like it's still yeah. it's still like fifteen minutes to go. Um, There's a big chunk of added time expected as well. It's, it's fifteen seven. I think it was seventeen minutes in the end. Yeah, he yeah. played seven minutes in added time. So, but but the substitutes are an interesting point because I thought I thought Liverpool so that their first double substitution I thought the game ran away from them. Like I thought those two substitutions from Klopp were, were poor. Um, yeah. and I mentioned this on Twitter. Um, but but taking Curtis Jones off and, and Jota off for uh, Thiago and Darwin, I I, I didn't yeah. like those substitutions yeah. because I thought their build up was was far weaker and. Thiago again was like playing really sort of direct and forcing the pass and like Liverpool lost the ability to sustain that pressure for I think like a yeah. good 10 minutes. Is it yeah, 10 was, minutes? There was Maybe a lump 20 in the minutes game actually. where it become a bit yeah, there's a lump in the game where it become a bit more a bit more restless on the ball and you know they were trying to force a lot more yeah. stuff and you could definitely tell that you know the the dynamic of Thiago and Darwin Nunez. I, f- I think there was a few balls out to Darwin Nunez that just went out for throw-ins and goal kicks that were just pointless. And, yeah, and then and then Anfield sort of got, got deflated a little bit. Yeah, I thought, and then then it became stagnant a little bit. Yeah, and then Arsenal sort of got back into the game. I thought, and I tweet. I funnily enough, I tweeted this like literally the day before the game, but but about Firmino playing as his third midfielder, and and before the substitution happened, I, I think I, I said something like, uh, "For B." Firmino for Fabinho is the only thing that makes sense and then it happened I was yeah. like oh they're listening something, something's yeah. good happening here but then Firmino could play that link play Thiago playing six Fabinho who I think he's really lost his legs this season and he was on a yellow this, anyway he's off the City game was oh shocking he's been he's been he's been poor for he's been poor for weeks maybe even now nah, he's been poor for months um, and you know he, he just doesn't cover space anymore I, I, yeah. I just I don't know what it is but He's a, he's a true holding midfielder. He's a true anchor, and you know the spaces you have to, you know, block the ball in. And it is that it is that like space ahead of the centre half, but between them, just that that zone there. The thing and is the with Liverpool as well, though, through it so easy. It's sort of like you have to defend laterally as well, like cover the space yeah. behind. I mean, wherever the ball's going, really, you have to cover the spaces either side. So I think like it's just really a physicality thing with with um, Fabinho this season. I thought he just gets Thiago dragged a bit there. too much as well. He get, yeah. I think he he's quite eager when he goes man to man with somebody. He doesn't he often like tracks a lot of players into like really stupid areas where you know it's not your man anymore, and you should almost conduct the two midfielders ahead of you to 
you know, swap around the, the players who you are marking. Yeah. I think with I just, Liverpool though, yeah. they've been aggressive enough to get away with that. Like he's he's been physical enough to sort of oh, go yeah, into left sure. centre midfield, yeah. win the ball, have players around him and then crowd the opposition out like that. I think just this season, it's just it really sort of it's quite glaring when when you can't get to players like that. Um so in that way, yeah. like I'd like to see Thiago play six, Henderson maybe right centre midfield, who I thought uh, has been all right in the last couple of games. And then Curtis Jones, who I've really liked in the last two games, maybe left centre midfield um, and see how that midfield plays because that the build-up is, is far better. I think Curtis Jones has a really nice, like, people people are getting onto me for, for complimenting Curtis Jones that game. But I thought his contribution for the goal slowing down the play. Liverpool are so direct. But Curtis Jones, like, introduces yeah. this pause. He's almost like a, for that goal, almost like a Grealish kind of contribution. Um, yeah. But you can also drop in into the build up. I really like sort of players who can play that second DM role, but also help their flank. So I love Curtis Jones yeah. at that game. I really liked Curtis Jones. Like there was, a, I can't remember if it was last season or the season before, but I think Half Turn wrote a really good piece on him, um, oh, yeah. and I read it, and it was, and it was just, it was really good. And yeah, I don't. Curtis Jones for me is one of them players who. Like when 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 they do become a well when they were a possessional based team, he kind of does fit into that mode of like a Grealish kind of controller. He has a little bit more pause in his game, a little bit more temperament than you know your likes of of Fabinho, for example, who kind of rushes play a little bit more. Um, but I think it's it's interesting you say this stuff about wanting to play the Thiago Henderson Curtis Jones uh, midfield because I think with with how bad Liverpool have been off the ball in terms of covering space and you know, having too much distance between too many players and just getting caught in defensive transition. Um, it just feels to me like the obvious change would be, I'm not sure if they've tried to do this this season. I, I don't I don't really recall them trying to do it, but they need to almost become a, like 100% a possessional team because of how bad they are off the ball now. Uh, and the rest mm. offense is really bad, like really bad. Uh, and, you know, Van Dijk does that sort of standish off defending. Yeah. But, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and conduct a game, I'd rather I'd rather have Liverpool conduct a game rather than be off the ball, especially like away from home and stuff like that. But do you I think like do you just... think their their decision to play less, so I don't know, horizontal, less like very positional and less like cautious, is is dependent on like the profiles that they have sort of in terms of creators and yeah. attackers because Darwin's like a a player who thrives on on like very vertical play and and Trent Erratic, is a player who yeah. Trent is a player who goes long a lot and you sort of want to get your players in their best zones but like I don't know man I I kind of agree with you in that I think like having some sort of middle ground is the best solution I think maybe like yeah that that might be why they've been trying um Nunes more from the left just to like if you're going to play those more sort of direct passes you're you're getting them sort of in the channels rather than right back yeah sort of coming back through through the middle of the of the pitch when you when you do lose it um yeah but i think like, take a pay, play like with, page with, out of that deserves kind of style like i think if liverpool try to encourage the opposition press and then turn the game over a and then play and direct like, try to, yeah yeah then play direct i think that would probably suit the facet more but they're trying to mm. straight from kickoff like they're going back to the goalkeeper and then it's going to Trent and Trent's lumping it straight away into like the channels and you know they're, they're playing really aggressive yeah. vertical balls when it when it's not really on and That's they're just turning point, over yeah. possession for fun. Do you think yeah. <laughs> do you think they have the quality in, in their back line and six to to play like a, a, a sort of Deserby esque 
build up because maybe not maybe not with Fabinho but with Thiago like you said in the six Thiago could definitely do that kind of Moises Caicedo kind of half turn kind of role because you know well it's a Thiago turn as the Liverpool (laughs) fans like to call it do you know what I mean so I think just when you're saying about getting the players in the best zones like you could you could definitely get certain players if you have have Jones and Thiago sort of dropping into the pivot areas because we we haven't even touched upon Trent playing Sort of inside and play the playing inside, that. yeah, yeah. I thought it, I thought in possession in 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 the first phase awkward, but I thought playing mm. inside when they had set up possession and they were attacking, I thought second half he was amazing. I, I that, thought that is incredible. that is his zone. That is his like that inside. He's not. He's like a deep crosser, but he's not from. It's not from the line. Like it's from inside. Like almost like KDB, but it's yeah. deeper. You know when like it, when he, he, he does started, operate in them areas a bit better. When it was sort of when he broke onto the scene, he was I I really liked him in wide areas, and even I think uh, as much as last year, I was sort of complaining that we didn't see him in wide areas as much. But I thought what was really evident uh, in that game against Arsenal was like his counter pressing and like the the areas he was picking up in terms of like defending or, or regaining possession. He he had like Henderson sort of covering that wide space. So rather than Henderson playing from central midfield and then sort of dropping back into those right back areas, he was already in those wide areas and then Trent just straight played down the middle rather than having to rotate. So I, I actually really like that. I just think in the build up, yeah. I, I didn't love him in, in there in the build up. It, it's a bit, it's a bit like a lot of Liverpool players have have lacked this. So it feels harsh to just say it, it is Trent, but it is one of his weaknesses. It's just a spatial awareness of it as well. I yeah. think he he would probably get lost in certain in certain cases. Um, in certain portions, but I think it was interesting. It's nice to see Klopp trying to do stuff. Um, <laughs> Finally, because obviously the I know the season the season's gone. Like we should have when he when he went to the that kind of four four two system against City at home. I thought that was going to be the foreseeable mm. at home. Yeah. Like I thought he was going to play that way against Arsenal. He's going to play that way against United. But uh, I don't know. Mate. He, he he clearly does believe in it. He he, he does touch on in press conferences and post match interviews how the players are doing stuff that it, that isn't instructed, which is fa- which is completely fair enough. But to have that happen for yeah. months is I think he describes it more so in, in the terms in, in terms of like the aggression and the desire and the and yeah. the sort of I think I think it's just like a physical thing and a motivational thing. I think in the big games at Anfield they've they've really shown up like bar that Real Madrid. Yeah game that like they've really like put their stamp on yeah. all the big games but they've got uh, they've got a really good record against the top six haven't they regardless of i think just um, in general they're they're in, yeah. i think their goals conceded at home is like one of the least in the league it might, it might be like yeah. the least three i think like newcastle and, and united are up there with them um yeah but yeah interesting game loads i mean loads of little tactical tweaks and, and things that, that we've touched yeah. upon there i think we could do a whole episode about that game but we won't. Yeah, uh, crazy. We'll, we'll touch upon. We've got, we got another tactical game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, uh, uh, the thing is, you know what I've noticed? I've noticed like so, like the discussions around games have become like they've become like as much a spectacle as the games themselves, almost. Like yeah, like the discussion of 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 some of these games just goes on, like in terms of tactics and like tweaks and like managers are the main characters. Like those discussions go on like for the entire week. Um, yeah. It's mad. It's mad. I like it. I like it. It's pushing like the general landscape of footy forward. But like, I think I said once on a podcast, it was like, um, 
it was like one of the first one we did and I was like, we should move from like player FC to manager FC. So like, you just ref a manager <laughs> now going forward and you just, you know, you back them wherever they go. But It makes yeah, sense, you know. Uh, I couldn't do it, but it makes sense. I mean, I feel like wherever Pep goes, I'll, I'll, I'll watch him and I'll, I'll rep him. Yeah. It's interesting. There's, I think, certain, like, there's certain managers that like, the, like the Zerbi's had me hooked for like two years now. Yeah. And it's like, when he was smashing it at Brighton, I was like... But Brighton are in the same league, like we're playing against Brighton, like competitively. <laughs> like, if I was a City fan, like I'd be living it up with Brighton, like yeah, yeah bromance, you know what I mean, like RDC <laughs> and Pep. But I just can't do that because you know I want Brighton to lose going I, into games. It's like, top four competitive, to. man. <laughs> yeah, man, it has to be. Um, you know, I think we we mentioned it a little bit before, but like managers do so much, but I do think sometimes, and especially recently with like this fascination about tactics and and like how teams work and things like that I, I do think sometimes the effect of players is understated and the effect of managers is like overstated and um, yeah so that's why I always try to bring it back to like player profiles what is the player doing what's the circumstances around the player mm. it's, it's like tactics. what uh, Spalletti speaks about about you know it's the game the game's moments you have to manage moments in the game but other than that it's like individually and like stylistically you've got to get players in in zones at the end of the day where they yeah. play the best football so to win games and like the tactics is all building up to that moment but when that moment strikes that that moment isn't coached like it's yeah. just instinctive like it's second nature to the players and that's i like that way of looking at it you know terry on says it about pep where he says the first the first and second phase of the game is is all me but like as soon as you get to the final third which is evidently where city play the most football hmm. it's like you know, it's it's off the it's not off the cuff. They're obviously working on patterns of play and stuff, but they they, they do have a sense of freedom. It's about and, like the the individual making most of their quality against the other individual. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you know, when you talk about moments, it. I want to brag. I want to. I want to brag a little bit. Actually, you get some. Uh, you get a chance to brag here as well because we. I can't remember what game it was now, but it was one of the Chelsea games. We both tweeted about Cucurella's like. Tendency oh, to oh yeah, to jump. I've not even thought about this. Yeah, so so we've both spoke about like so. Uh, if I edit this into a clip, I'll put I'll put like little visual aids so so people know what we're on about. But there was this Chelsea yeah. game. I think it was last week where me and H literally like a minute apart both noticed that like Cucurella has this tendency to really like jump and and press almost too readily and and vacate his zone yep. at left centre back. Um, and I, I've thought he's been a decent left centre-back in terms of like transition defending. But like as that left centre-back, he jumps forward, leaves space in behind. And we both tweeted at the same time, like not planned, but we both tweeted that space can be got yeah. out. In that game, it didn't happen. Yeah. Then in the Champions League game, um, which I think was the next game, it was it was um, Chelsea versus Real Madrid. I tweeted the same thing again, just because in my heart, yeah. I felt like it was going to happen. Cucurella literally got brought on as a substitute. I said something like, Cucurella, he bites too readily. I wouldn't be surprised if he bites on, on one of the Roma players dropping deep and Chelsea have a have a bad moment following that. And literally like a minute later, two minutes later, uh, Rodrigo drops in, Cucurella follows him and then Rodrigo spins him, runs him behind, Chilwell fouls him, red card. And like, the thing is, ultimately it really is just a player's a player's game like the tendencies players have like yeah that's these are, yeah it's not a coach that's not coached is it it's, it's all yeah. down to the player's profile of being a front-footed aggressive player like yeah and it's 
just stuff like that can that can turn games completely. Like just knowing that a player is a bit more of a step up defender and a bit of a run off defender. You know, mm-hmm. the difference between like Van Dijk and Kukurea in terms of the step up and back off defending. That kind of like dynamic between each of the games, you can look to exploit it in both ways. But the managers not going to coach you out of a player because that's what makes them good at times. Like, yeah, it, you I think know, you Kukurea can give certain players instructions. And say yeah. like, okay, you you, this is the sort of thing we're encouraging. This is when you do it, when you don't do it. But like ultimately, there's gonna be that tendency to do it because that's like their upbringing. It's like years of yeah, a player's patterns well, and habits. There's two now. There's two now that I've noticed that I've had to watch like multiple like replays of, and the Kukurea one is one that is is bad. And Ben Chilwell even tweeted that you know he had to make a split decision in a, in like a, I don't blame like Chilwell when he made the wrong one. I don't. I don't think so. Like, I, I do. It's a. It's going to be a hard finish for Rodrigo, but I. I think instinctively, like you do, just tend to wrap your arms at that at that moment. And, and I think the other trying one, to take that one nil, like obviously it was two 0 in the end, but like trying to take that one nil would have yeah, been all right. It would have been okay. But yeah. yeah. And then this, the second one is the the first goal for Manchester City against Liverpool, the equaliser, where oh, yeah. Robertson steps up onto KDB when he drifts out wide. And then it leaves Mares in isolation and he runs at VVD and then it works it across mm. the box and then yeah. it gets to Grealish. And that like that's front that like front footed step up defending is that's something that's been Liverpool's philosophy for, for years. Yeah. But yeah, they've lost the step, they've lost that aggression yeah. almost and, and that's so it's like you can't you can't tell Robertson to Don't, not do like, it. Yeah. Because yeah. if you want to be aggressive and you want to step up, then he has to do it. But both of them decisions have both cost them the games in in you know the grand scheme of things. The City yeah. probably would have still won, but like in the grand scheme of things, like they cost them goals at the end of the day, and oh, it's all because of you know like the domino effects. Like when when that goes wrong, then that goes wrong, and it affects the whole the whole system breaks. And then that's something you can compare both with Chelsea and Liverpool with this season, especially. Yeah, just just single elements of out of possession just crumbling the entire team. Like, yeah. You know, that's why I've always said, like, Guardiola for me, even irrespective of all of the, like, some of the trophies and whatever, like, for me, I think Guardiola is the greatest because he's able to create new systems that always take into account each of the players' unique profiles and strengths. Like, if you look at Nathan yeah. Aki and look at Akanji, they played fullback against Bayern Munich, which is sort of the game we'll talk about now, but they played fullback against yeah. Bayern Munich. They're wildly different, different to Zinchenko and Cancelo. And still, both teams yeah, look like big sides, but he's changed the system while retaining his philosophy to make best use of those profiles. I think that's the best way you can describe Pep. Um, yeah. And and when Cancelo left... He's, so, oh, he's just so good, man. Like, he's, he's the greatest. I like, bro, I was just I was thinking about it the other day. And I was just like, when when he started playing for, I remember the first the first like couple of games he was using the four the four centre halves. Obviously, he tried to use the system at Anfield with Jao Cancelo as the right back and and had him like vertically covering the entire of the right side. And then he yeah. played, I think, Bernardo on the right side, and he'd come in to do the do the four in the middle of the box. Hmm. And it was like he's gone from doing that. We've played two games a week for months, and then he's just produced a system like two months ago or a month ago that is absolutely squeaky clean in and out of possession. They already have uh, a dynamic they can switch to when someone covers the pivot. Like if someone stands on John Stones, they already have patterns where yeah. Ake, uh, John Stones goes out wide and Ake comes in. You know someone what? Someone can sit in the left back. So it's, it's, it's crazy. 
one of the craziest things about all of this is be, like this system was sort of always in the works. It's just sort of the personnel has been shifting yeah. around to see. Like we've had Rico Lewis play right back. We've had um, Kyle Walker start to try and do that inverted thing right at the beginning of the season, if I'm re- remembering correctly. And he, he it wasn't sort of suited. Yeah, it was the Newcastle game that I that I. Oof. I yeah, think yeah, he he was sort of done dirty in that game. But like, just, phys- phys- physically, it just struggles covering that much ground when it's yeah. I know, think I think shift. he can get back, but like, it's just sort of him playing in those central zones. He's just not naturally like small space player. His his ability to know when to yeah. drop off and he's a, he's a kind of like a like a long ball down the line kind of player. Like not long balls, but like passes over like four meters. Yeah, you know or, I mean? yeah, he, and like he, he likes to play the pass that Pep doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, like Pep you found a way I mean? to yeah, Pep found a way to utilize that. But I think in this system, like, there's less room for that kind of pass. Um, but yeah. like ultimately, he's one of the players you want in like the three, the first line of three, rather than yeah, moving inside. That, that's kind of the the thing. I, I think with the Akanji and Ake thing as well, it's something that obviously they're using for centre halves. But Akanji and Ake are like so gifted physically like yeah 1v1 Aki's absolutely sensational the, and they uh, both, well, I mean, he might be the best I've seen they both can get run out yeah they can both get run out when the rest defense is just set there and if, if they have a three if even if it's just them three and it just has a one in front of it or doesn't even have to beat anyone in front of it mm. if the winger gets on the ball they've got a task to get past the kanji and Aki. like they're not <laughs> pushovers they're not center and, 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 they have, and they have Ruben Diaz in the middle Who's yeah, and then if you get past him, you've got to get past one of the bloody one of the best box defenders in the league. Like yeah. he's sens- he's sensational, and I think that kind of like just gels it all together. The fact that he's got these two really like physically gifted and like, like technically gifted like, centre halves, yeah. yeah they, and then you've got him in the middle, who's just like a real conductor box defender, and almost a bit like he's not. He, he's kind of like Vidic. He's bit he's a bit more gifted on the ball and stuff like that. But yeah. The way he defends, like, is a lot more kind of leaderish. Like he really throws sense. himself, like, and I, I respect yeah, that. I think very like, aggressive center half. I, I've so on Twitter and things like that. There was these discussions about who's the most complete center back, or whatever. Um, inspired by my pal Raj saying Van Dyke was, uh, and I, I'm not having any complaints with Van Dyke's quality. I think Van Dyke at his peaks, like one of the best defenders I've seen. But in terms of completeness, I think like one of those traits that I include in completeness is the ability to Last close ditch. down. Yeah, is the ability to yeah. close down and block and throw yourself at the ball, especially in and around the area, inside the box, things like that. I think Ruben Diaz is like possibly the best at it in the Premier League, at least. Um, he's up there. Aki's really up there as well. They both throw themselves yeah. at it. And I think that's like sort of been one of the difference makers in, in our season. Just that, like, it's a game of two boxes at the end of the day. So, like, if we have Haaland on one side, the most clinical shooter maybe ever, bar Messi. Yeah. And then, like, on the other side, you have, like, at least two. I'd say Akanji's been really good and then had a dip and then been great again. But but Diaz and Aki as these, like, ridiculous pure defenders. The only way, like, we could improve in terms of the boxes would be, like, to have Alisson and goal as the shot stopper. Yeah, and even Anderson's getting his flowers recently because the past two games he's been wonderful. yeah long one v ones. Shout out John Harrison. Yeah, that's that's that that signage. Shout out John Harrison. He's one just of the got, um, one. He's just got a 
is it who was it now is it an mls team that's like signed him up uh, or signed oh, really? his company up to be like a, yeah so shout out to oh that is so yeah. sick man. i genuinely yeah. like i can't remember what it was i just seen it on twitter before i before i'll have a look after this, this but genuinely like yeah, anyone he, listening to this if you want to know anything everything i know about goalkeeping like ninety percent of it from from what I've what I've spoken to. He's got some um, Hall of Fame friends. Hall genuinely, of fame. like if you want to learn keeping, you know, whenever I have yeah. a, keep, a, a goalkeeping question, I just in general, like whenever just I have questions, in, I always man. ask like the goals. I always ask people who I think are, are more knowledgeable about certain things in certain areas. The next thing I need to learn is pressing out. John McKenzie, your DMs are getting a hit. John McKenzie is a pressing. <laughs> I don't know he, about. He's so good, man. Pressing, yeah, I need he was talking about, about hybrid pressing like early on in the season, yeah. And then I was like, got to, I got to like Christmas, January, and I was like, we're doing that thing that he was talking about. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the thing is, like, obviously, like on the eye test, I can like, like people see, okay, you're in a shape here, here's the trigger, now they're going, yeah. on, whatever, but just terminate, discussing it, like opens up so many avenues but yeah just generally I, I understand i understand like cover shadows and like curving of runs when pressing but i don't Shout out i don't Alvarez understand yeah he's really good at it he's really good at it yeah. but i don't understand like structures when pressing mm. like when people talk about a pressing shape i do understand what like an off the ball like an off the ball pressing shape but i don't understand what a good one is yeah do you, yeah. Do you know what i mean i'm like, getting to grips with that now but like yeah yeah, I feel like, like I know it's that almost pressing that like four four two, but it's yeah. like narrow. Like I know that that I know they do that and they got yeah. they got cooks, but yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's <laughs> like like there's always that jump between like descriptive and observational stuff and like seeing this is what happens yeah. and then like making that jump to knowing why it works, what what's yeah, and then after you I think know it why work, it works, I think it works as well because he is he is a coach like he he manages a, I think a team in university John McKenzie so he would have yeah. actually had to have he would have had to have coached a press before I think so when you coach a press although I've I, I played at uni like, teams and whatever and sometimes it's just like stay in your shape and clamp your mind like. yeah <laughs> yeah oh I play, I played in some ruthless uni games I got spun the other week but less about that yeah <laughs> I got I got destroyed the other week. I'm what the position? What position? I've seen. What I position you Centre back. Centre back. Yeah, I used to play six when I have an engine, and then discovered you just sort of like the way Rooney arc of just yeah moving yeah. out of the pitch, but not good. <laughs> <laughs> Bit more like I don't even know who did that. Who's not good? Be, be disrespectful to compare myself to any notable <laughs> any any professional. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I do want to mention John Stones a little bit just because um, we did touch upon it and then we went on this tangent. I don't know how it's happened. It always happens. But but when we were talking about <laughs> when we were talking about the back four dynamics, we were saying, um, we were talking about yeah. Rico Lewis, Kyle Walker, sort of Cancelo. These, we, we've played with this 3-2 shape in the past, this season. But yeah. John Stones has come in. Pep said, John Stones, play inverted one game. He's done fine. And now he looks amazing in that in that position. And it's sort of like been this, I don't know how to describe it, but it's been this like revolutionary thing. Um, and I've always wanted to see John Stones play DM just because of how gifted and, and talented he is as a footballer in general. But like he's doing things in that pivot role in terms of his timing and movements and moving to vacate angles. Yeah, he's genuinely opening up angles to manipulate like two or three players in the opposition attack. Rodri gets the ball, Rodri can play it. Rodri moves out of the way, John Stones picks it up, turns, plays it. 
moves into eight yeah. and ten zones. Like it's ridiculous what he's doing. Um, he, sh- he shifts so well through the phases. Like he just it looks like clock. He looks so fluid on the ball. Yeah, it's like, like a metronome sort of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like he just turns and like as he turns, he passes and then he runs and it's all like one movement. And it's all flowing. But he's just like, he's never done this in his life before. And then yeah. he, he starts doing it for a couple of weeks and he looks like he's played there like the entire of his career. And, and he, like, he did the, that the, against... The change with... Sorry, against Bayern, um, he did that from centre-back. As in like, so he's been going from right yeah, back into the middle. That's what I was going to say. So he's he's changed his dynamic from coming inside to just stepping up and stepping back. <laughs> so which good. is like... It's so good. It's like, how he, how is he learning this? And it's, it comes back to what I said before about he's, he's coached this entire new system throughout the season whilst having two games a week, whilst mm-hmm. players are maturing and technically and intelligently developing. Like You know what? I think that, that that's a testament to. I think like just generally being a player under, under Guardiola's management... Because John Stones has been there seven years, like just generally being there, I think, and and, and I'm I'm yeah. fairly certain you just developed this understanding of the game that's just not like not being. You probably appreciate you probably appreciate it far more when in, uh, yeah, you're like, under a manager who breathes it. Yeah, I think you understand where to be, how things work. Like you, you yeah. develop this tactical mind by being a player under Guardiola that you wouldn't get from just. Yeah. receiving your match instructions from from another coach for example so i, I think, think like, that happened as well because i was like i think i've read a quote from like ashley barnes mm-hmm. and he was saying that when vincent company come in he's now like he's played under like loads of different managers but like all loads of different coaches rather but he's never he's never saw the game like he does now and it's yeah. like it, it's almost Joe, Joe Ben White says he doesn't like football. He doesn't like watching football. Yeah, yeah. I pro, I do, I do, I do understand what he means about he doesn't like football. Yeah. But he's definitely much more clued up on what he's doing because of mm. how much Arteta has instructed him to do. And people are sitting there going, "Oh, Ben White's got a really technical role in this system. Like he must know about football." But it's not that. It's just he's been taught it. It's like I think me and my brother actually mentioned this before. It's like pe- people today footballers today don't want to be instructed they want to be taught about football like yeah it's it's i, th- I think it depends like on the individual coaching but, yeah, yeah yeah but like i think there's I think so today, many like they don't want to be you don't want a ta- like a tactic and then you don't want to be like you're not doing you don't want this to be right. choreographed it's, kind of you want to just yeah you want to be molded and you want to be shaped yeah. into a player that you're that they you that the coaches want you to be rather than you throwing in and then telling you everything you've done wrong and that what you need to improve on. It's yeah. more like, no, this is the role and this is how we're going to get you to that role. And I think that in today's game with managers like Pep Guardiola, it's like young players want to know what steps they have to take to play in a system that's that intricate. And I've noticed, I've noticed as well, like academy. So there's a fair few like academy footballers, young footballers who like follow me on my socials and follow what I put out. I can't necessarily imagine there being a demand tactically for understanding the game and understanding sort of things from a managerial perspective or from a sort of outside perspective for young footballers, sort of like a, a generation ago. Maybe I'm completely wrong because I'm on the sort of, I, I wasn't an adult like sort of 10, 15 years ago. But in my head, I think this like intrigue and interest and wanting to, sort of unlock as many avenues and understandings of football as possible is like a new thing um and like players who are more adaptable in that way are like players who will thrive in in 
being played out of position or yeah. being played in new roles. So it's really interesting that that's sort of like the way things are are moving. I think like we're going to see coaches, younger and younger coaches, Will Still, for example, like we're going to see so many coaches just... Yeah. Pe- people are growing up now wanting to be coaches, which... Uh, yeah, it's something... We've never seen this before. It, it's, yeah. it's absolutely crazy when you think about it because... I'm not like I'm not old like I'm I'm 21 but when yeah. I played football and I've only recently stopped playing football like there was nowhere near this tactical interest as it was like in today's game hmm. and I think it's just it it's crazy because like, I'm not sure I'm not sure if you get this but like whenever because of people know what I do for like my hobby People yeah. will ask me when I'm watching games, why is this happening and why is that happening? And that's <laughs> never, no one's ever been that interested. No one's yeah. ever been that interested in the game before. But like with the like the inclusion of like CBS, for example, just going more tactical with the the punditry and stuff like that with Monday Night Football, you know, people are paying thousands and thousands of pounds for these resources and softwares where they can analyze the game just for fun and just for a hobby, just because they yeah. enjoy doing it. It's yeah. almost like this was never a thing. Like it was always like an ex pros thing. Like the youngest manager would be like forty two. Yeah, the, 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 this the, is the youngest person who, who who even thinks about being a manager is like forty two. But now it's like yeah, because yeah. that was the problem. Like all the ex pros had, had the coaches of this generation, but <laughs> the next generation that you can see coming through are Laptop all like coaches. either either play yeah either players who <laughs> retired when they were like twenty four because of an injury, yeah. or players who just went, "I'm going to coach this. I can't be bothered playing it." Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. It's sort of the blogging generation post like Rennie Maric and Cole. Like I think like they really yeah. inspired inspired a, a generation. Yeah. But Rennie Maric, shout out him as well because he, one he of always the likes my This is a this is well. an episode yeah. of of commemorating the goats. The shouts. Yeah, the for goats real, of the game. <laughs> um, I'll be on you the know what? Someday. We we could talk about Man United and Sevilla. However, yeah, this has been a nice episode. You know, I don't want to ruin your day, bro. Yeah, it's been a night. I, you, you, wait, I'm, how about this? I'm, I'll I'll, 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 I'll pose you this question. Anything that you want to vent about with this Man United severe game that you attended, front row seats, where course then is <laughs> interesting performance. I don't know. Uh, right. we, we spoke a bit off camera. Uh, I, I, I'll give you yeah. the floor, brother. Because I, I don't have many thoughts. I, all I want to say is, Tony Marshall, if he was fit, what? Brilliant what, football. So, what else do I want to say? I want to say... I don't want to say anything else, man. Just shout out Tony Marshall, one of the yeah. goats. <laughs> I know. That's all that's all I left yesterday. That's all I left Old Trafford with yesterday. 60 minutes of pure football from Tony. And that, yeah. Bro, I was trying to... I left the game and I was like... I was a bit depleted because of what happened. I didn't really realise how bad the injury was at first. I did see him get stretched off, but I was like... I was just, you know... At least it's not a kid. Oh, I think they're saying... Got a bit of Yeah, it's metatarsal. Yeah, he's only out for like... It's like... A month and a half or two months. He's definitely end of the season stuff, but yeah, yeah. I, I just think the overreaction was the worst bit, bit about it. Like, I just don't know how people can view the game and not understand that we just conceded two absolutely garbage on goals yeah, that are just yeah. out of our hands. And yeah, a lot of people and like blaming in-game management and stuff. And the subs, in my opinion, were like fine. Like the only one I actually disagreed with was the Bruno one. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, Sancho was really poor, and I'm I'm going to say this on here because it's at the end of the episode. But <laughs> out of possession, because I was in because I was in the stadium yesterday, out of possession, um, Jaden Sancho is really really bad. Like, well, in terms of like tracking and just tracking, there was 
just watching, like when we, you can tell that when, I'm not sure if this is, do you know when he comes off the bench? There was a, what was the game he come off the bench? He looked really lively because his first game back, I think it was Leeds at home and he, he scored or something. Okay. But it was like, it was like the ball got turned over. He'd try and work back and then United had transition and then he'd come forward with the ball and he then, he then have the ability to carry it at someone. But he was yeah. that tired that his carrying looked so lethargic and he, he didn't know what to do because all he was focusing on was just getting back into the position because he yeah. couldn't keep up with the flow of the game. And the thing that scared me the most was it wasn't a transitional game. We had like a big big chunk of possession in the game. And I was, I tweeted this literally under the Anthony thing before the, the podcast started. You can just tell in the stadium as well, there's just the intent's not there. And when he gets on the ball, the, the stadium's <clears throat> urging him to go at players. And he goes at players, but there's no, there's nothing behind it. Like there's no, but, you know, a, a physical decline like that, like it's bizarre. Been, this is the, this is the thing that worries me. This is the thing that worries me as well. Is he's he's, co- he's come back from that training. Like he's already been. Like how unfit was he prior to to this? Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, and that yeah. that's the thing that worries me. I do, I do think that he's he's a good player. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say he's not a good player. I think the centre forward dynamics are completely off with him. Like he doesn't he doesn't flourish off the centre forwards we have available. That's like 100 percent a thing. We don't have a right structure to get runners around him. Blah blah blah. But off the ball, like it might just, honestly, it, it might just be like a fit. It might just be like a fitness and like fitness thing. Yeah, well, I mean. The the, the the good thing is his fitness is quite easily manageable and you can definitely improve fitness. I think like, it's like a life, over... it's like a, a lifestyle thing though as well. Like there's only so much you can do in the training. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, and but think, that's all assumptions. Yeah, like, the, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't really, I don't really want to go that hard on him because I just think he he is going through a rough patch and everyone can And he tell. did he did in the first like few minutes, he looked lively, made that run. It was offside, but putting yeah. him up in a yeah, I um, thought it was so. I thought it was so unsighted. And my mom, I got home and my mom told me it was about ten yards. So outside, yeah. I was uh, like, wow, I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was but, like, oh, nah, but nah. The, the game, the game, all in all, like I've, it, I've said off, this so many first times. Off, it's dominant, and then yeah, and I've said this I, so I'd many say times. Dominant, like, not even like out of your own strengths, but just severe were like really just so bad, man. in the first half. Yeah, yeah. And it, the game was just flat. You could tell they were there for the taking, and that's why I like the subs. You know, like we could if if you go to Sevilla, if you go to Sevilla with with a with a three nil, you know, if you come on, you bring Facundo on, you bring Alanga on, and you know, Alanga goes and scores off Facundo goes and sets up Wegos or whatever. Yeah, like you're looking at three nil away in Spain, and you can rotate and you can chop a change. Two nil, the game's still alive. You know what I mean? And I think I understand that part of it, and it's just unfortunate that the game ended up the way it did. But I think some of the overreaction, I can only really understand the individual blame for like mm. the Malassia lapse in concentration and stuff like that. I don't, I can't get behind the critique of game management when throughout the entire season, Ten Hag has been crucified for not game managing and not rotating players and playing Bruno for 90 minutes. Yeah. And then as soon as he rests him, when you're as soon as he tries to game management, team. You yeah, would expect, and yeah. we were turning up in, in that game. We were controlling the entire game, and they didn't. Even, they didn't have a shot like that I'd remember up to that point. Mm. So when when we do finally try to game manage, and you know he's, you know we try and create a last last chance to to win the game three 0 and then capitulation happens, and then all of a sudden at the end of the game, it's down to the game management. I just don't understand it. I just don't yeah. understand how it it can be that when. You know, we've been we've been crucified for not game management. And if you'd have left Bruno on and Bruno got injured, 
like people would have been like, oh, why is he not taking him off? We should have took him off 30 minutes ago. It, it's annoying. I don't like that. You know what it is? It's, it's, it's that like, uh, someone told me that there's like a term for it in like American football. Is it called like Monday morning analyst or something? Let me let me see what it's called. It's, like, it's basically like the idea is um, like, the, after the fact that things have happened, everyone becomes an analyst. Yeah. Everyone knows you, what was the right you decision. You go back, yeah. You go back, yeah. And this yeah, is, that's the thing I don't like because at the time, intention. It's, yeah, yeah. At the time, there was no, no one in the state. Like no one. If you were sat at home when them free subs come on, you're going, "Oh my god, we're going to lose this game now." <laughs> no one did that. Like you can't tell me we were going to chuck two goals because we had Palistri and Alanga and Weghorst. Yeah. The, the, that front three isn't a good three, but in the game state that we were in and we were controlling the game and large majority of the game was us, they could have easily just gone and scored a third goal and mm. Leecher could have easily not got one of the most freakish anomaly injuries you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just think people overreact about the whole thing and I am worried for United season because of the injuries, but the Brian injuries well, aren't. Yeah, I'm worried about it in that. We're going to get pressed off the park against Brighton. Evan Ferguson against Shaw and Lindelof, it's looking like. I will not be mm. there. <laughs> I will not be there. You're tapping into a different... Yeah. different. Although you can, you can just, different, oh, you can just watch, you can just watch yeah. some Deserby ball and just appreciate that for what it is. I'm going to just sit back. I was going to go to the semi as well. <laughs> well, well, you know, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I don't want to put you through any more misery. Uh, talking about Manchester United, I'm good now. Two two this week. Yeah, to be fair, like I think a very reasonable take on the game. Like in the grand scheme of this season, like ultimately top four is the, the priority anyway. And, yeah, and, and on the basis of the performance and like the intention, like not massively anything to complain about, other than like what yeah. actually happened about individuals. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll wrap it up. I appreciate everybody for tuning in again. Um, you can find this in a video podcast on youtube as we've started doing um, or listen to it on apple spotify or google podcasts uh, give it a like give it a rating uh, subscribe follow all of those things um, and yeah if you have any suggestions for topics um, etc let us know uh, we post every week thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week <laughs>